Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, and we have some breaking news. Nobody else has this yet. We got leaked an email, basically, from the WSL of some prospective rule changes for the 2023 championship tour season. Buck and I are going to get into that shortly, along with an update on the Vance Pipe Masters, more Nazare shenanigans. There's two different teams who are trying to decide how to measure waves exactly. It's the WSL. It's Red Bull. There's lots of money on the line. They're going head to head. It's confusing and funny. And of course, we're going to talk about it. We're also going to chat about my recent joyride, which broke down not a surfboard, but a set of fins. And we're going to talk about eyes and how they basically are doomed if you come onto this podcast. And of course, then a surf sin at the very end. It's all happening this week. So let's drop in. All right, Mikey, I heard that you are a little bit devastated today, or you're confused more than anything. I'm livid. I'm livid. Really? Go on. Tell the listeners. I just found out. Okay, so for context, um, I just sort of left the New Jersey, New York area. I'd been there for the past two years for a bunch of life reasons, whatever, not important. But I came back to Costa Rica. Super excited about that just so happened to coincide with basically the time of year when there aren't very many waves in Costa Rica, but I've been making do. It's been waist high. I've been wiggling. Um, so, uh, you know, generally life-wise, I'm happy about that. But a few months ago, I guess, maybe two months ago or something, I brought up to you that when I was living in New Jersey, there was a wave that I'd surf. Typically, it was close to my home. I grew up there. I surfed with friends there. It was a fun wave that, you know, it was known of, but not some place that people would travel to surf. I also mentioned that somebody in the local area was potentially working on a deal with Surfline to set up a cam at this spot. Ooh. And it is now live. And it is not Ooh. only now live, but I go into Surfline today, main page, homepage Surfline. It's the cam of the moment. Ooh. And it's not even good. It's like two foot. But like, why? Why? Why is this happening? Oh, they're probably trying to push it. They're just letting people know, hey, we got a cam here. Come try to burn Mikey. I don't live there at the moment, so it's not like it affects me in an actual logical way, but it affects me so much in an emotional way. And, I, you know, I've been texting with my friends. They're obviously very upset about it because it affects their day-to-day life. Um, and, the, you know, now there's discussions of what is the penance for this other person who, you know, they have a house there, they have a business there that set up this camera basically to help fund their business uh, because they get the little thing in the bottom screen. It's like, oh, sign up for this because it, you know, Surfline's using his building to put the camera on it. Um, so a bit of quid pro quo. So yeah, what's, what's the penance for basically blowing out your local spot? That's a tough one. What I can say is that there was already a cam in my hometown, but then they put another one that was at a more kind of sensitive wave. And it wasn't a Surfline cam. It was just like a random businesses. And what we did is you couldn't, so you couldn't rewind or anything. Cause like I said, it wasn't surfline is my buddy just mooned it. And I was able to screenshot it. We were coordinating on the call. So, I mean, I think that's a start. It's not, it's not penance for the, the cam, the camera, but, um, it's a start. Well, I'm just thinking that this person should be liable to be burned on any single wave that they ever try to catch at this spot again. What if you just try to associate their name or business with like one of those uh, porn cam websites, just get it like that. Just do some like uh, SEO stuff and make it kind of link it up on the internet. Well, there have also been chats about uh, ha- basically spamming the the link 
that Surfline added to their cam. And just, you know, I don't know if it's paying some company in Bangladesh to just send them a thousand emails a day or what the deal is. But yeah, there, there's been talks of some penances, uh, you know, in, in the, in the with in, in the woods, in the weeds, in the, in the, in the low lying areas. In the low-lying lands, the marshlands. Yes, the marshlands. That's right. So anyway, we've got a real surf sin. Well, this is a real surf sin, but we've got a, a proper surf sin coming up at the end of the show. But for now, let's get into this week's news. Well on the way for the 2022 Vans Pipe Masters. All right. We usually read titles on here. This is not a title. This is just special for you podcast listeners. We have the head forecaster... Mikey, Sierra Mella here with us. Mikey, what are you seeing for the Vans Pipe Masters? Well, we're recording this on Wednesday. And if you were to look at the pipeline cam right now, you would see something that looks Malibu-esque. There's basically 4,000 cubic tons of sand on the beach that have formed themselves into the shape of a point break uh, going from north to south. However, looking at the forecast... By the time people are listening to this on Friday, there is going to be a major, major pulse of northwest swell. And better yet, the winds are looking like they're starting to cooperate more than they looked like they were going to in the week prior. It looked like it was going to be like really bad sort of Kona winds, which is just terrible for pipeline. But now it's more kind of variable and light and even a bit of southeast showing, which is my favorite sort of wind to watch at pipeline because it means that it's blowing a little bit into the rights and more straight offshore than normal. So it could be really, really good. It also could be a little bit tricky to start because you have all this new energy coming in and then it's interacting with all that sand that's on the reef. And we've all heard the, the sand horror stories at Pipeline. But what we know is swell is 100% coming. Looks like the conditions could be good. And we know that there's a lot of talent on tap at the event. So it should be a pretty spectacular either start or middle or potentially all the way through the end of the event. Well, with the sand thing, I mean, I interpret that as just the North Shore still flexing on Orange County. It's like even when there's not waves, it still has a way to be like, hey, we're better than you. Um, so that's my take on that. But other than that, I mean, we'd update you if we saw heat yet, but we have until the 20th to run. As Mikey said, we finally have some good swell. So reason to be excited. And with that date, the 20th, that means next podcast, we'll be talking about two winners. Uh, by the time we speak next, time we speak with you next, we will have champions, which is why we really wanted to flag it this week. It's coming. The swell is coming. And yeah, no heats thus far, but we do have a few updates from the North Shore. Uh, we heard some interesting, I don't think it's even a rumor. It's just confirmed. Apparently, a bunch of people were at Turtle Bay, as happens every December. And, um, you know, Turtle Bay is this kind of crazy mix of like, a lot of the best surfers in the world and people really high up in surf companies and all that. And then just people who are completely oblivious to it on vacation in Hawaii. Um, apparently one of these people fell into the latter group. And my understanding is that it, he had just been married and maybe he was having a good time. He basically started airdropping photos of his dick and his wife naked to just the professional surfing community. And he ended up getting tased. Um, I just wanted to share that. So that's kind of the biggest update we got so far. No heats yet. Plenty of heats coming. But in the meantime, um, there's psychopaths getting teased at Turtle Bay. So that's your North Shore update for the week. 
Yeah, and also stay tuned because we will have the first episode of the Vans Pickup dropping next week as well, which will be covering all the Vans Pipe Masters, everything that happens there, winners, etc., along with everything else that our team is doing on the sand in Hawaii. They've been there producing episodes for the past two weeks, so they're getting all these little inside stories. So a lot to be excited for. So all's on the way. Let's see it, Pipeline. Let's see it, Pipeline. Red Bull-backed team of scientists are using supercharged drones to measure XXL waves in real time. Let's get Mikey's blood to boil. I don't think this is going to get you too bad. I think you might actually be into this, but it's still your favorite topic, Nazare. The details here. All right, let's set a little background. Earlier this year, German Sebastian Studner had a world record announced for a wave that was allegedly 86 feet that he rode at Nazare. They announced it 576 days after he had ridden the wave. That's how long it took them to look at two photos. And basically what they try to do with these photos is, is find the longest kind of confirmable straight object. In this case, it was Sebastian's shin bone, which they asked him to measure. And then that's not what they would have used on Ian Crane. That's not what they use on Crane. But hey, he'd have to be very excited for that to work. They want the long, the straight line, um, Mikey. And so... It's not a good system, this. I mean, Kyle Lenny's quoted in this story where he just says that he's won two biggest wave awards. He thinks that one wave was clearly bigger, even though they're both called 70 feet. He said that they think he thinks he, they consistently get it wrong. So it has been a tricky one. I mean, they've been doing the best they could, but then this, this kind of scientist guy, Teddy Allen, came along and was like, hey, I could do way better. I got a drone that measures this shit in real time. So... It's getting spicy at Nazare. This has some big implications. Yeah. So the WSL is basically putting, it sounds like half a million dollars on the line now, right? For the biggest wave surfed. Or there's like, there's a few different categories within that. So it's not like direct 500,000 to the biggest wave surf, but there's like men's, women's, toe, paddle. Is that right? That is correct. And so it's, they've got that 500K prize and they're officially partnered with the Guinness Book of World Records, which I think has implications for people beyond the 500k you know if you win a if you get that record then somebody's probably going to sponsor you till you're like 80 you know it's like one of one of those kind of mainstream things so i think it goes beyond that um which is interesting okay so then you have red bull coming in and they're saying that this measurement way that you're doing at the w cell is pretty stupid and we have a more science-backed way of doing it. i think this guy was doing it on his own so teddy allen he works with a team the company is called hennet wave um that's an Egyptian word. Shout out to them. They just did some Egyptian mythology. It's a pelican, I guess. Drones, pelicans, Egypt. How'd they build the pyramids? Yeah, exactly. Drones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think he was doing it on his own. And then people took notice. And Red Bull was like, hey, this is really cool. I understand they're supporting him in some way. And then he's also kind of gained the trust and the support of some of the people who have been surfing Nazare for a really long time. People like Andrew Cotton. So, with that whole WSL... Wait, hold on. Before we go any deeper into this, do you not find it pretty hilarious that Andrew Cotton is the spokesperson for all this? Andrew Cotton, the former holder of the biggest wave ever ridden record, 
is now teaming up with these other guys saying like, oh, no, 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 no. WSL, Sebastian Studner, they're, they're calling it all wrong. Like, we know how to call the biggest wave over here. So he's like, Red Bull, get in here. We're, we're going to do our own measurements from now on. Look at him. He's already going. He's already latching. He's already, he's already going at it. So he's like, Mom, Dad, the principal gave Sebi my gold star. We need to go in there and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mikey. I love your hatred for this wave and wave heights in general. It's it's really heartwarming this holiday season. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, as we've talked about nearly every week in the past month, I guess it's just that season. It's funny to us. It's just funny that it's just people with jet skis and ropes that eventually one thing is vaguely taller at one point than another thing. And it kind of feels right that there's so much controversy around it. And I think where it could get really controversial is... As of right now, this Hinet Wave company does not have a partnership with the WSL. As of right now, their technology can measure a wave essentially in real time, and they're backing it. They say that they have it within four centimeters of accuracy, and they, they say they have proper data to prove it instead of looking at shin bones, Ian Crane, two photos, the WSL method. So things will get really interesting if no partnership is formed and Hinet decides to go, hey, here's a massive day say it's next february it's massive they could just roll that out in real time possibly fuck over the wsl's whole keep it secret awards thing and really create some chaos so mikey i i my gut's telling me that's kind of what you're hoping for here i'm hoping for any sort of i mean anything that creates more illegitimacy around nazare is what i'm hoping for and okay Speaking of which, here's another thing that I'm sure people have talked about this before. Maybe we even have. But there's a photo in this story on the site. I think it's the last photo. And it's somebody on a very large wave that is actually pretty top to bottom for Nazare standards. You could have for sure like pulled into the barrel if you wanted to. And the surfer is... Nacho Wood. I want to call it about two football fields away from the apex of the wave where he's riding it. I mean, if this wave, like let's say this wave is 70 feet... <laughs> it would be like maybe 25 feet where he's riding it. And so that raises the question of what constitutes riding the biggest wave? And I, I'm embarrassed to even like be taking this this seriously, but there is a level of like, if you're going to say somebody's riding the biggest wave, shouldn't it be measured only from the deepest point that they're at? Like you can't just like take off on the corner of a hundred foot wave and say you surfed a hundred foot wave, right? I, I would agree with you, but I had a pretty sick one at phantoms last year that i caught at freddy land so i don't i just personally i can't agree <laughs> like it's so fucking ridiculous dude this whole thing is so absurd i mean it says it in the story it's literally a dick measuring uh contest inside of a dick measuring contest like it's it's so absurd everything that's happening around this of course it's great pod fodder and it's funny to laugh about but the fact that like this is where people think surfing like this is like mainstream surfing is unbelievable to me like it's so detached from the core um but whatever it's funny at least some surfers are getting paid out of it lauren pujol's winning emmys or oscars or whatever so all of them whatever He's at least some people all. are getting something out of it yeah how do you how do you feel about <laughs> this like so part of the story too is with these drones they claim to be able to measure more than just wave height they could measure wave speed they can pretty much give us some deeper information on waves he calls the drone an aerial buoy so you're getting almost like stats that a buoy would give you about how much the water height is changing 
you, you could kind of triangulate some stuff like how much water has been sucked off a reef at Chopu is an example he said. And I mean, I think we have to take some of these measurements with a grain of salt, at least initially. But how would you feel about it, something like this being incorporated into like normal surfing? Like if you got to know how fast the wave of J-Bay was moving or something like to, to see on the WSL broadcast, would that matter to you? Uh, that would be semi-interesting, yeah. And I think it segues nicely into another story that we're going to talk about soon. But I also like, to that point, I'm just, obviously I don't fully understand the tech behind this, but I just imagine something sitting in the sky, even if you could guarantee that it was staying in the exact same place, like zero wind, zero anything to move it. And it's measuring, you know, between the top of the wave in Nazare and the bottom. It's like, where is that bottom? You know what I mean? Like, how are they determining even where that point is? I couldn't tell you where that point is as somebody who's surfed for 25 years. How is a computer camera drone going to tell me where the bottom of that wave is? It built the Egyptian pyramids. You don't think it could do that? (laughs) You know what? Actually, one last note on that. I think the funniest thing that could possibly happen here is if this thing just started saying waves were like 30 feet and it was just that high angle all along. (laughs) That would be fucking hilarious. In surfing, everyone always talks about getting wet. But what they don't tell you is that you also have to get dry. If you're wet all the time, you'll ruin everything, including electronics, and you will become ostracized from your respective community and be forced to live on the fringes of society in a state of permanent dampness. Today, we're going to let you in on a secret that the reptilian ruling class, such as Eric Logan, don't want you to know. It's called Slow Tide. Slow Tide is the world's first company to offer a product designed to dry you off. But for real, folks, you know Slow Tide, and we love Slow Tide, okay? They've got towels, they've got blankets, they've got changing ponchos, and I just went down a rabbit hole on their site. They've got some really nice stuff for the house. So, as a drop listener, we're offering you 20% off your next Slow Tide order. All you gotta do is enter the code STAB20 at checkout. That's STAB20 all caps when you're checking out your next slow tide order on their site we've already talked about the changing ponchos you need one of those you don't want to be a sex offender and then when it comes to the towels and blankets i mean what that stuff's just you need it in everyday life like you need it what are you gonna do go to bed bath and beyond like a fucking boomer buy a candle no slow tide support a company of people who love to surf support this program don't go bed bath and beyond eric logan slow tide What fins should I be riding? Not Jordy's. Oh, not Jordy's is right. That'll come up at some point in this chat, though. And actually, our next story has something to do with that as well. So what fins should I be riding, then? This is this is all you. Yeah, so this is a, a different kind of joyride that we did. Normally in a joyride, I'm taking a board that I don't have any experience on, and I'm taking it out, and I'm testing it in you know different conditions and trying to see what its pros and its cons are, if it's a board that I'd recommend to our readers or not. And this time it's a little bit different. I'm taking a board that I've actually been surfing a lot prior to the filming of this joyride, and I'm using it as the control variable, so to speak, to test three different sets of fins. So Futures has this new legacy series of fins, and it's three sets of thruster fins. And they're the exact same construction, the exact same size, down to basically the the square inch of surface area. And the only difference between them is the outline and specifically the rake. 
So not to get too into the details, you can you, you know get into the site piece in the video if you want to watch it, but basically it's just figuring out what different rakes do to your surfing, how it, how it changes the way that you approach a wave. Rake, of course, is the difference between where the base of the fin ends and the tip of the fin ends. So a fin with more rake is going to have basically a, a more elongated look to it, sort of a you know more horizontal fin, and a fin with less rake is going to be more vertical and upright. So this joyride basically breaks down those three sets of fins in the same exact board in similar conditions so that you can really see uh, how a different fin affects your surfing and maybe helps you decide which fin you should be riding when the waves are like this or like that. I want to play a little game here. Okay, hit me. So there's the three options, right? Pivot, rake, neutral. Yep. Let's go through all of them, and you don't have any time to think. You just need to associate one surfer with each fin and kind of what they're supposed to do for you, okay? Okay. Rake. Jordy Smith. Pivot. Taj Burrow. Neutral. Gabriel Medina. Ah, I was really hoping you'd say somebody like like Bede. <laughs> just the most neutral surfer. I just, yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's hard. That, you made sense there. That was better. That actually made sense. Okay, instead good. of I'm glad the Bede. Thing. Well, anyway, and that's the whole point of this video is that before I started doing the joyride, I knew absolutely nothing about fins. And the more surfers that I talk to, like lifelong surfers, people who surf really well and have for a really long time, there's so many people who either just claim to know nothing about fins or have misconceptions about fins or confusion about fins. And this video is basically just trying to simplify the entire thing so that it's really easy for anybody to understand. And you don't have to be sitting there scratching your head about what fins you should be putting on in what day or what fins you should be sort of adding to your collection or which ones you don't really need. Uh, so that's, that's basically it. Futures fin joyride. Um, we used the CI Pro as the board. That was the board that uh, Jack Robinson chose as the winner of Stab in the Dark. So we knew it would be a good one, especially in the waves at Kandui Resort where we tested them. We're pretty good. Um, so yeah, go give it a watch on the site. And there's more of that like sort of technical detail stuff in the written copy on the site page as well that didn't make it into the video. Okay. And tell them, tell them they can win, Mikey. Yes, you can win a set of each of the fins if you go through and do our little email thing for the premium members. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled and turn in your submissions. You can find it at the bottom of the site post if you are a STAB premium member. Parker Coffin nearly left his eye at Soup Bowl. Luckily, he's okay. This is a hectic story. Soup Bowl last weekend was insanely good. Um, it is an insanely good wave that is often plagued by bad wind. This time it was not plagued by bad wind. Parker showed up. There was a good crew there. We actually saw some stuff of Kelly there. It was only just Surfline Rewind Cam footage that we saw, but those three waves that Kelly got are just incredible. You were you were spooked by the third one. You didn't know how a normal, how a human being, because he's not normal, but how a human being I went did. on it. When the basically the part of the wave that you're taking off on is like half the size of the wave that is a uh, hundred meters into the channel. Yeah, I don't go on those types of waves, um, but Kelly does. <laughs> and I, the crazy thing too is like I don't know what Kelly does, what sort of like mind tricks he plays. But normally when a big name surfer goes to a big name wave like that, and there's filmers around, stuff ends up on YouTube and Instagram within hours. And he's managed to keep everything off of YouTube. Like, I think he basically filmed campaign three, 
his part over there and we just can't find any of it so we're, we're on the search so we're on the hunt especially after that best surfing i've ever seen with taylor Steele came out it's more sort of relevant than ever maybe even he was inspired by that to go back there and surf that wave again um but yeah we're, we're, we're keeping an eye out for those proper clips and we will share them with you as soon as possible okay and back to parker he sent us a video and we're gonna play some audio from that explaining what happened So what happened to you yesterday, dude? Oh, man. I had a pretty gnarly one yesterday. I, um, it was my first session. Flew in. Just like to surf. Fouled out. I got a couple little ones. And then big slab came, and I just whipped it. And I was riding a pretty little board, and I had kind of gotten outraced on my couple ways right before. So I pulled up pretty high. And when I pulled up as high as I did, and I was kind of in the barrel, I hit this unexpected ledge. And I kind of got a little disconnected from my board in the barrel, and then it fell forward. And then when I fell forward, the lip just kind of, I guess, I, I don't even honestly really remember that much, but as I fell forward, Wait, I somehow ended up just like nailing the bottom of my face. Is it? Oh, um, is it bad? Pretty much right no. on my eyeball, really. side of my head. Uh, just cheese grated my face, my whole eye socket. Miraculously, somehow didn't go out. Because if I blacked out, I think I would have been done, dude. Fucking next wave was square on my head. Like pretty big double up. And I kind of came up with just enough time, as dazed as I was, to kind of get, like, two big breaths. And then kind of got smoked. And I came up. I couldn't see anything. Got sucked back out in the rip. And then luckily some of the boys out in the lineup came over and just paddled with me gave me that, you know, a little bit of direction that I needed, and I actually, the current was so bad that I pretty much had to ride a wave in, so as I was all buckled and my, my eye was shredded to bits, I had to paddle in and actually catch a wave in, and then I just came in and seeing you guys on the beach, and I knew it was pretty bad when I started seeing people's faces as they were looking at me. Um, it's scary, dude, when you see someone have fear in their eyes, and you could tell, and you know, it's what we do. We serve, do it because we love it. Uh, it's not my first time that I've had probably a life-threatening incident and probably won't be my last, but fucking do it because I love it. And it's good to, to realize, though, you know, like everybody, I think, sees all this content coming out 24-7 and maybe they don't see this shit. But when the waves are real and we all paddle out and we're trying to get barreled, dude, you put your life on your line, on the line every time shit's gnarly like it's not for everybody and, and it's dangerous and people need to know that and um yeah you just i mean i've been surfing my whole life and this still happens so it's scary but i feel lucky like i said it could have been way worse uh, happy to be here the bust up face but um yeah it's just part of it and it's good it's good like keeps you on your toes and you know you're not invincible and I'm going to fly to Miami today and go into surgery so just want to say special thanks to all the boys here for helping me out and Minnie and Stuart and Stefan and Alan and all the guys in the lineup for helping me out. I really, I don't know if I would be here if it wasn't for those guys so yeah, fired up, stoked to be here. Thank you. Love you. Thanks man. Love you too. <laughs> Man, I feel for Parker. 
he in his stab out of the year entry sendo he talked about how he's struggled with fear and big waves since almost drowning in Kandui. and to have just another incident like this happen he was he's clearly emotional and clearly you know he, he's been talking in the video and on instagram about how hey this is dangerous like every time you go out in waves like this you are risking your life like the consequences are real it's not just some made-up thing it's happened really bad things have happened to him a few times so i feel for him and it sounds like he's still got a good mindset but man he's he's had a tough go yeah it's um it's kind of crazy. I mean, I guess I was even surprised that he wouldn't be wearing a helmet out there just because he's already sort of committed to that in bigger waves. And, you know, I get it. Supol is not pipeline per se, but it's still, I mean, you, you've seen some of the waves that come through out there and they're mean and scary. And also, um, we know that that kid, Xander Venesia, passed away a few years ago surfing, not at Supol's, but at a similar wave nearby. So it's, you know, it's even happened right there on their doorstep. Um, so yeah, Parker smashed his face again. And well, I guess it wasn't his face the first time. He smashed his head again. Um, I don't know how much a helmet necessarily would have done when you're smashing your face into the reef because that part's not covered, obviously. But yeah, uh, Parker, I hope you get better. And this brings up something that I'm a little uncomfortable even to, to mention, Buck. But do you think our podcast is cursed? With... Uh, taking people's eyes yeah so hear me out okay you obviously had an eye incident a few years back where you lost the majority of your vision in your right eye so technically i think if we are plagued it's your responsibility you've brought this onto the podcast yeah and i'm a little bit i feel like we've been so on the nazareth thing lately we used to make sure to make fun of that every week and now it's kind of fell into the back burner which we'll bring it back yeah so okay so you started this whole thing right then Parker, who was a former host on this show, I don't know if you remember that week that you were out, Parker came on and filled your seat. And now he nearly lost his eye. Fortunately, it sounds like he's got full vision, but it was close. You also know that I had my incident about a month ago where I nearly lost my eye to a fin. And I think Danny's the only one who got out of this thing unscathed, other than his house nearly floating How away. How did Danny get out unscathed? Yeah, I'm not sure. Wow, that's... That's incredible. The way you look at it, I mean, that's kind of undeniable. Yeah, if you come on this podcast, it's likely you'll go blind. WSL tells competitors, we want your wrists. They told them a lot more than that. So, this is a new one. We just got our hands on a leaked email that the WSL sent to all the surfers and surfers reps. I mean, we usually get these, but this is kind of a, hey, 2023 is coming along. Just so you know, here's some kind of changes we're going to make. The one that the title is referencing is they want all competitors to use wearable technology that can be used to capture biometrics and send live updates on priority, wave score, score requirements, and time remaining. It hasn't been approved yet. Um, so there's seven of these, some have been approved, some have not, that one is subject to final review. And I love the wording here. It just goes from like capture biometrics to send live updates. Like, oh no, like we're going to take all this data, but 
we'll tell you when you have priority. Like, it's all good, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go through these one by one because they're all so interesting in their own ways, right? As you said, there's seven of them. Some of them have already been agreed upon by the WSL and presumably the WPS. It wasn't exactly clear in, in the email, but yeah, it sounds like it's been agreed upon, so those are locked in for 2023. So to your point, first one, a, a watch is what I think they're talking about with wearable technology that can be used to capture biometrics and send live updates on priority, wave scores, score requirements, and time remaining. I love this, uh, you know, from a viewer standpoint, right? Like it's so much more content and data points for us to dissect over the course of a heat, over the course of a year, over the course of a career that it just it really brings us into the future. Like I feel like other sports already have a lot of things that are like this, that you can say, you know, he throws a 102 mile an hour fastball or she runs a, you know, four minute mile. And I think this is just a really cool addition to surfing. I think it'll be a little bit dorky, some parts of it, but there will be some really valuable information that I think we can use to show who's surfing better or differently or whatever. Well, I mean, let's just keep in mind, these are the people who brought us a tube timer at Lemoore. So let's not get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true fair enough yeah i think it'll have some kinks but i think overall the the concept of this is really really cool like it'll just be interesting to be able to track like to your point um you mentioned something about somebody's heart rate when gabby takes off on a wave in the dying seconds like if that's actually something that we can track that's fucking amazing i know i know i, I like it a lot too i also I mean, because it, it is that two sides, right? The biometrics, which is the most fascinating thing, and they're they're saying they'll use it to send updates. And I just I wonder if like, imagine just having a watch tell you that you got what you think's underscored. Like I feel like that could create some funny moments too. Just somebody like looking at a watch and then like freaking out. Like that's just <laughs> going to be a hilarious thing. So subject to final review, but I'm with you. I hope it gets approved. I think it could lead to some good things. Next up. Waiving the requirement for CT surfers to surf in CS events. This has been agreed upon. Ah, I get it, but at the same time, how sick was it to have Kelly at Snapper last year? It's um, it's a tough one. I understand where it came from, but I did like that rule. So that is what it is. What's your take? In fairness to the CT surfers and the CS surfers, I think it's totally fine. Like, yeah, maybe from the viewer standpoint, we'll lose a few big names in a few CS events, but... I think that for the just sort of sanctity of the sport, it's probably a little bit better this way. It felt a little bit too much like they were, you know, forcing these drama scenarios. And as much as I've been for that in other instances, in this one, it's not that big of a loss for me. And I think it's fair, more fair for the surfers. All right. Fair, fair. Next up, what do we got, Mikey? Wildcards will no longer be able to receive ranking points on the CT standings. So what this means is that a Baron Mamiya or Kyoe Belly would not be able to qualify via the mid-year cut, even if they are within that mid-year cut by their wildcard points throughout the season. So I think this is absolutely fucked. This is like letting the tail wag the dog. I think if people are good enough to compete on the tour as a wild card, which means you're coming up against top seeds in the early rounds every single time, which also we'll get to another point on that soon, and qualify, basically get above that cut line, they should absolutely be there. Like, let the cream rise. Yeah, if you prove that you belong, then you belong. Why kick somebody off, you know? Especially if they're having, like, if they're doing that, like you said, they're probably having some incredible heats, adding a lot to the tour. I guess it's probably coming from frustration from surfers who've been really chasing the CS for a while. and I'll talk to Maxime Houston and, and I'll sort it out. I'll get this one turned around and it'll be all good. Well, 
here it says already agreed, so good luck. <laughs> All right, number four, what do we got, Buck? In the first heat of the WSL Finals, the fourth-seeded surfer would start the heat with priority over the fifth. Agreed. Okay. Yeah, that's that makes sense. So I guess this is coming from if you finish fourth, not fifth, there's no advantage. You still have to win as many heats, so they want to just give them that slight one. Uh, you did a story a while back, Mikey, maybe a year ago, about how priority doesn't really matter that much. It's a little gift, I guess. I don't think it's huge, but I get where it's coming from. No big deal. I'll sign off on it, too. Any thoughts? Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I think it's totally fair. Like, if anything, there should almost be a little bit more of an advantage than that. But given the confines of what they can do within a given heat, I think that that's totally fine. So, yeah, I'm all for all it. All right. Tell us what's next, Mikey. This one is where it heats up. Number five, no wearing hats and holding bottles slash cans with brands that are not sponsors of the WSL on the award podium. This is the best business move ever by the WSL. It literally forces brands, both endemic and non-endemic, like a Red Bull and a Monster, to forever play ball with the WSL, or else their entire strategy is defunct. Like, we watched that How Surfers Get Paid episode that was basically all about energy drinks and hats. And they came in and they totally shifted the surfing landscape as far as sponsorship goes because they wanted to own the surfer's head. And the WSL is saying, fine, you can have that. However, you have to pay us too. Brilliant. It is. It is. Interesting timing. Interesting timing given the <laughs> that that episode dropped, shit, three, four weeks ago at best. So interesting. I... I mean, this is a this is something that's bubbled up. I think over the years. I remember I did some freelance work for Red Bull in like even 2014, 15, I think, and they got denied from running any pretty much any WSL jersey in an image because there's a WSL logo on the jersey. And so they're threatened. They, essentially, the WSL said, hey, if you run our logo, we could sue you if you run on any sort of anything, right? And that was kind of a feud because I think Red Bull had maybe backed away from a deal or they just didn't really agree on what the WSL thought was ideal. So that was their way of punishing Red Bull. And I guess on and on it goes. No more cans. Well, okay. But here's the thing. So this language, assuming this is how it's actually written in whatever, the rule book or the bylaws, is very specific. No wearing hats and holding bottles slash cans. Okay? So those are two, three things that you can't do. You can't wear a hat, can't hold a bottle, can't hold a can with these companies' logos on them if they're not sponsors of the WSL. However, one of our commenters, Teddy Allen, brought up a unique concept that sort of like turned into a spiral of ideas for myself as well. So Teddy Allen says, enter the sponsor-based temporary forehead tattoo. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking in my head visors, but that's next level. Well, no, a visor's a hat. Yeah, okay. So, But then you could like think about all the options you could have. We also have another story coming up in a future episode and on the site in the coming weeks about chains and surfers' fondness for chains and where that all spawned from. So you could also literally wear a chain with a giant Red Bull link attached or like a you know like an emblem attached to the chain like there's so many other options that you could use to portray your sponsor's logo than a hat 
or a can that you could have front and center. I mean, you could get a grill that says Red Bull across your ear. You know what I mean? Like there's so many options and I, I would just love if somebody that was sponsored by one of these brands that isn't a WSL sponsor just took the piss out of it and every single event just wore the most like outrageous things. Like, I don't know, like glasses that just say like whatever they are just across the entire thing. Like, I don't know, just get it, really creative with it. It would be awesome to see something just come at it with spite, especially like if you get if you get like a mid-level surfer that has a good personality, for sure they'd have the opportunity. Like, I'm sure uh, that combo might exist. I hope it happens. Who's this year's Matt Wilco? It's tough. I mean, honestly, my bet is Rio, but he's not going to do it out of humor. He's just going to think it's kind of cool. <laughs> Number six, Buck, what do you got? No holding boards in post-heat interviews or on the podium. Again, this one comes down to logos. They don't want non-sponsor non-partner logos to be in those key moments i hate it because if you're in a wetsuit you should never be more than 10 feet away from a surfboard that is a rule to live by and they're breaking this rule so that is the reason why i hate it it's disgusting is that one of paul's rules in the story i don't think he said that i think it was just understood like universally known yeah Yeah. it was a it would have been just redundant to say well to that point as well um another commenter on the site left a really good point on this it was by undergunned and he said also how are they going to talk about their equipment in a posted interview it's the surfing equivalent to what are you wearing at an award show and we're not going to be talking about what they're wearing as far as the wetsuit goes we want to know what they're riding and it's just weird to talk about a surfboard if you're not able to hold it there in your hand i mean you can but i don't know it's just strange that it's got to be like all the way over there not even in frame (laughs) i know it is kind of funny I guess we'll still have those moments where they can talk to coaches and stuff on the beach, but it is, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to know what they're riding, so that's a really good point. Already agreed on as well. So what is our last one? All right, seating. The WSL will implement the system that was in place in 2019 that rewards the round one winner. So that means that basically if you go into round one as the lowest seed in the event, you're the event wild card or whatever, but you manage to win, you beat the number one in the world, Felipe or Gabby or John, you're not going to have to surf against them again in round three. You're going to basically get moved up within your bracket. So there's that whole thing. It's really confusing. There's like four tiers or whatever. So like the 36th seed can only go up to, you know, call it the 30th seed. But at least it means you're not surfing against that number one surfer again. So there is basically a reward for winning that first round heat as opposed to it's just like, oh, you made it. Now you have to surf. You have to beat that person again, which we saw a lot in the past couple of years because they reverted it back to the old system which I didn't really understand. I, to me, the 2019 thing, as confusing as it was, it at least made sense in terms of rewarding people for performing well in the first round. Otherwise, it's like, what's the point of winning that heat? You can just get second and skip round two. And again, perhaps a coincidence, probably not. We did a story on Sad Premium earlier this year, breaking down the WSL seating system, going through all this. And... We used Joao Chianca as an example because he had some crazy good early heats when he was on in 2021, and then he still got booted. And it was one of those things when it hit Instagram, we had a lot of blue checkmark surfers going, hey, this is true. Like, the seating isn't fair. Like, why why don't you reward performance in the early rounds? So maybe a coincidence, maybe not. I'm going with maybe not. And that has also been agreed. So the only one that's up in the air still is that wearable technology. Interesting.
All right, I would like to take this opportunity to talk about a wetsuit, and not just any wetsuit, but Visla's new U-Zip wetsuit. What they did here is they collaborated with Axe, not to be confused with that spray that you put on your armpits when you're 14, or if you're an adult, you still act like you're 14. Axe is a Japanese neoprene brand, and if you know anything about neoprene, you know that the Japanese stuff is the best in the game. It's durable, it's flexible, it's warm, win-win-win. That's not the only thing they did here. This was also the first to market this U-Zip technology, which is a brand new way to get in and out of your wetsuit. The U-Zip goes shoulder to shoulder, essentially. And so what that does is it makes it a lot easier to get in and out of your suit. It dramatically reduces flushing, and it feels pretty good when you're paddling, I would imagine. And I'm saying imagine because I haven't got to try it yet. You may remember in 2017, when Dane Reynolds was held in Portuguese customs for two days because he showed up without his passport. That's where my suit is right now. It's here in Portugal, but with Dane in the jail. So one day I'll try it and I'll report back. I'll let you know how much I'm loving it. But you will love it. I promise that. And I've also got a holiday hack for you. If maybe you found yourself in a relationship around COVID, now you're questioning it. You don't want to be there anymore. And if that person doesn't serve, maybe you need a new wetsuit. Okay, we're here for solutions, not problems. You get that person a Visla U-Zip wetsuit in your size for Christmas. You give it to them or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, whatever you do. Give it to them as a gift. And that way you get a new wetsuit and your relationship is terminated. It's a win-win. Okay, this suit will make you a better person. And remember, there's nothing cooler than trying to cross international borders without proper documentation. So this wetsuit is cool, and if you want to be cool, buy it. All right, we are about to hear Surfson, but first, what is coming up next? Mikey, you mentioned this earlier, but we have a pickup episode coming from the North Shore. It will not feature any imagery from the man who is tased at Turtle Bay. I promise you that. We also have the Stab Edit of the Year, People's Choice. That will be announced on Monday. So voting closes on Friday. Monday will announce. I could tell you who's got the lead right now. I'm not going to. Wait till Monday. Wait till next week. And we've also got, on this WSL wearable technology thing, we got data from an Apple Watch app called Dawn Patrol, which tracks your surfs. Kind of like that rip curl watch, but I think it offers a few more things. Um, it's from over 750,000 sessions, so nearly a million sessions worth of data. And we're going to break down what's the average serve time, what's the average wave count, how long do you paddle for each wave, all these interesting things. So that is also coming next week. But this is now, and right now we have a surf sin. Yeah, guys, thanks for doing this. Look forward to hearing your response and clearing my conscience a little bit and really finding out how, how wrong I actually am. But uh, yeah, so my surf sin is that in my group of friends, I'm kind of the guy that makes the call when to surf, where to surf, um, kind of keep an eye on the forecast, knowing where to go and whatnot. Um, because of that, a lot of guys really depend on me for when to surf and where to go. And some days, maybe a lot of days, um, when the waves are looking fun, or especially if it's kind of a sneaky surf session, 
I won't let anybody know. I'll just kind of go surf by myself. And um, sometimes I feel bad about it. I think the worst part is inevitably I have to lie to them about whether or not I surfed. So yeah, I guess my sin's a double. Not telling my friends when I'm surfing and then lying about it when I surf. Thanks, guys. Let me know what you think. Wow, I guess that's Surfline, huh? Yeah. That's him. That's him. He is Surfline. It's a tricky one. Is it? I mean, I don't think it's a sin to see fun waves and not call your buddies. Like, that's part of life is you pull up and you're like, you you don't need somebody relying on you to tell you how the waves are. If you don't surf because nobody told you to surf, then that's on you. That's not this guy's fault. Yeah, it's it's honestly he's um he's sort of put himself in a tricky position, right? So I have a similar thing with my wife. So whenever we travel, she is not the most like organized person in the world, right? So it's generally like myself who packs all the essentials. So say we go somewhere, right? And we don't have any toothbrushes. I'm immediately the bad guy because I didn't remember the toothbrushes because that's like this unspoken thing that like I'm the toothbrush guy. Oh, you bad boy. You're bad yeah, boy. And it so- sounds like he is, he's put himself in that position. I don't know if he like sort of elected himself to that position, if it was talked about or if that's just become the way of the world. Uh, so in that same way, though, like I think that, you know, his, his friends have obviously become dependent on him and as much as he may have created that situation himself, I think that's also totally fair for him to exploit that and not give them the heads up on these little sneaky windows that sometimes arise. I think that's he's fully within his rights to do that. He is. And so my penance, because it's not a major sin to me, it's just I get it. Yeah, to your point, it is, especially those sneaky fun days, like it is nice if your buddy just says, hey, there's actually kind of a wave. Like, let's go surf. I get it. I get why he feels bad. And so... The other side is, yeah, you you don't have to, like, people shouldn't have to rely on you. So I'm just going to go, let's look at it kind of by the book here. And so he was worried about not telling anybody when it's good. I think he has to tell somebody, but that has to be a person in the water with him. So he just needs to report the conditions in real time. Anytime he does this, intentionally doesn't call a friend to battle out. If there's somebody else in the water, he just has to give them a matter-of-fact report. Just say, hey, it's... It's two, three foot light on shore winds and just say that to a person. <laughs> he is surfing. Who's, who's just there with you. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's Buck's option. Uh, my option is similar, but different. I actually think that what he should do is he should exploit his sort of power as the surf guru guy and to tell his friends that the waves are good when they're not good. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, today's one of those sneaky days. Uh, you, sh- you should really get down here. <laughs> and then you have, to, you have to meet him down there with a pack of beers and just drink a pack of beers with him on the beach. Oh, I like that. Wow. That's probably better. You don't want to be just a sociopath looking somebody in the eye telling them just reporting on something, which is kind of funny. Is that not what people do with the weather? Like when you make a small talk you're like oh nice sunny day huh i mean that's like it's <laughs> that's true two three foot on shore huh <laughs> what go away well all right i think uh mikey sounds a lot more delicious so thank you for confessing and go on your healing journey enjoy
thank you as always for submitting your surf sins, but we know you guys have been doing worse things than not calling your friends when the waves are fun. So keep them coming. Buck and I will pick the best ones and run them every week. And beyond that, we've got a lot of stories coming on the site and beyond. So stay tuned and over and out.